Hello there, you snow spring supremes. It's Chappie, the British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode 170. Oh, yes, we're into that bipolar season of weather where it's 71 day and now it's about 15 degrees Fahrenheit. Are these going to drop down to the single digits Fahrenheit? So uh, my patootie is going to be severely frozen. But you know what? I'm trying to warm things up here with some delicious frothy coffee get your volumizer out now and we're not talking about the volumizer i use in my hair we're talking about the volumizer to milk throth everything just that little bit of effort that you put into life into the things that you fancy makes a whole lot of difference so if you're frothing up that milk and uh you know i i do love the uh, nespresso but I'm using some uh, I'm using some Kenko Instant here, and it's pretty damn good, I have to say. But it's finished off with a dash of bourbon, a dash of Breckenridge bourbon whiskey. I never thought I'd like bourbon. I like scotch, but I never thought that I'd like bourbon. But you know what? I'm really sort of enjoying this bourbon. And people think, Chappie, what are you doing? You red-faced, red-nosed buffoon drinking too much no i mean i've had this bottle since christmas eve and there's a there's a quarter of it left so yeah no no issues here but anyway i just want to give you this i'm I'm not really a um whiskey scotch reviewer booze reviewer on the podcast here but i tell you let me read this out this may be this may get me some voiceover work so i'll just try to go our award-winning high-rye bourbon whiskies aged for a minimum of three years in charred new american oak barrels and blended to reveal the unique qualities of the bourbon whiskey deep honey amber hue with pronounced aromas of butterscotch candied orange apple dry cacao brown sugar envelop the tongue as the spirit lingers with the notes of vanilla and white pepper Mm. is that honeyed enough for you <laughs> but it's lovely absolutely delicious and it's made from the snow melt from the rocky mountains i mean if you get that on a bottle if it says to you yeah it's from the snow melt of the rocky mountains you're gonna say i'm gonna have to purchase some of this and it's pretty nice it's like a little sweetness to it a little oakiness to it a little honeyness to it i don't know if you can get it in other parts of the world but the Breckenridge Bourbon Whiskey is a winner in my book. And it's warming the cockles. You have a doubt that I might be coming down with something a little bit. Uh, but today I'm I'm living the dream. You know, I got my six and a half, seven hours of sleep. Still can't manage to sleep beyond uh, <laughs> 5.30 in the morning, it seems, at the moment. Um, it's not the getting to sleep, it's staying to sleep. I mean, maybe that's a sort of over 44-year-old thing soon to be 45 i tell you yes i'm always ready for presents if you want to you know deliver some goodies to me chocolates delicious booziness some pate i tell you what though if, if anybody gets me the uh, fortnum and mason hamper now that's a treat to uh, end all treats absolute like delicacies in there like you've got the pate some beautiful cheeses some butter you've got some uh wonderful sort of uh, preserves jams pickles chutneys 
and it could last you forever. Not quite as good as the bountiful chest of chocolates that I got for Valentine's Day. But you know what? I'm going to have to, at some point, I'm going to have to hide it from myself. I mean, that, that must be one good thing when you start losing your memory slightly, that you hide things and can't find them. I need to do something like that with this chocolate box, because uh, although I'm getting to the sort of white chocolate selection, which isn't my favorite, I mean, I go milk, dark, white chocolate. Eh, if it's not the Milky Bar Kid, the Milky Bar Kid rules. The Milky Bars in the UK, that's delicious. And you get yourself a Caramac as well. Now, you... Yankee Doodles out there listening in. Get yourself a Caramac. The original Caramac. Go on Amazon. And that sort of butterscotchy. Talk about the bourbon butterscotchy. But this butterscotchy like caramelly goodness. Is like one of the best things you'll have. I mean you know Cadbury's is absolutely fantastic. Lind obviously is amazing. But try yourself a Caramac. That may change things up for you slightly. But welcome along to the podcast. Yes, we're talking about booze. We're talking about chocolate. All the things that you love. So you just have to delve into this. You have to immerse yourself into this uh, wondrous, nonsensical, written podcast that we like to keep keep calm and cauliflower cheese. It is the essence of a carb-laden behemoth, you could say. And uh, we're here for you every week to uh, for your delectation, delight, and uh, you know, if you want a, a wee bit of something nice, then join us twice a week. On the podcast today, we have all of our usual favourites, plus this uh, tales from the old Uber driver. Uh, we have the situation where you get the Uber fairly often here, and um, we have an Italian fella that I think I met on maybe Monday. Uh, he was an interesting guy sort of salt of the earth older italian man so we're going to recount some of his tales i think it's i think it's sometimes when you're spending 10 minutes with a stranger 10 or 15 minutes just you and them and you're chatting away it's quite revealing it's quite enjoyable as well and then the the fellow i had the other day uh, was quite interesting too he was sort of um east coast as well i think new jersey new yorker anyway we'll have tales from the old uber driver uh, coming up. Uh, also, we never talk about country music on the radio and having rock, rock in one ear, country music playing maybe on a speaker. Those two, those two musical uh, delights do not mix particularly well. Uh, have you ever used one of those water picks to clean your teeth? I did, and I had a little bit of an accident. And I'll be telling you about that as well. Uh, also. Dogs, dog pictures, military regalia. I know I mentioned this at the top of the show. We never went into it. Let's try to get through this stuff today. But very remissive, very remissive of Trappy. I'm not following the running order here. Battle order, man. Anyway, the, and have you ever tried that tingly mint uh, shower gel uh, when you've got a bit of a sore bottom? Uh, we'll be talking about that as well. And yesterday, uh, tell you, it was one of those days yesterday. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, watched a little bit of golf. And then I saw Newt Gingrich, and he was doing a commercial. So when politicians do commercials, I mean, didn't Bob Dole do Viagra at one point? Well, I mean, the commercial for Viagra. Uh, but yeah, Newt Gingrich is getting into the whole commercial uh, sector as well. We do have uh, some trample trombone where we're taking some of the, probably the worst headlines of the week, the headline crimes of the week, 
and uh, we're equating them to a raspy old trombone or a, a vociferous trump, um, one of the two. It, that's, that's how it's going to fit in here. Rate my plate, uh, one of my favorite, uh, uh, one of my favorite sites on Twitter. Uh, we could be talking about that as well, where basically people take pictures of their food and then other rather mean people comment on them. I also talked to my marvellous grandmother today and I recounted the whole Aylesbury Duck thing from last week. If you haven't listened to the Aylesbury Duck episode, then you have to. Um, but I was telling her about the Aylesbury Duck and, she, and my grandfather was the first person to talk about the Aylesbury Duck. But she couldn't remember the joke, so I recounted the little joke to her that was on last week's episode of the podcast. And uh, I tell you, rip-roaring hysterics uh, from her end. Heard some uh, news about my uncle, who sadly had a little bit of a stroke. This is the uncle who is basically, or was basically living in France for a long time. Went back to Newcastle. Poor fella had a stroke, but he is recovering. And it's almost like carry-on doctor in the Newcastle hospital with my dearest uncle, Michael. I've got the innards of a dragon right now after sipping some of that beautiful, uh, almost like an Irish coffee, but with bourbon in it. Oh, things are warming up rather nicely for you people. And as I said, it's lovely to have you here on the podcast. And we've reached 170 episodes. You can always listen to the back catalogs of the uh, podcast. Many of them, many of them where I try to eat a piece of uh, basically hardened yak milk bone that the dogs have. I tried that before. I spatchcocked a chicken. I uh, basically started the podcast one day in the shower that was uh, a foaming uh, Vicks Vapor Rub shower. Uh, very sort of invigorating it was as well. But yeah, set up the microphone and I started the uh, podcast off in the shower. All of those uh, little nonsensical things. We like to be see ourselves as sort of community-minded and a public service uh, for you, the listener. But I did talk to my lovely grandmother, Joyce, again. I don't think she listens to the podcast. Maybe she does. But So I was recounting the Aylesbury duck tale, as I, as I mentioned, aforementioned here. Um, but uh, she was telling about my dear Uncle Mike. I mean, we talked about it all, Tales from the French Countryside. We did that feature during 2020 on the podcast, where he was living in France, living the dream, basically. And a uh, very charming man. A lot of the local ladies were de- delivering French stew to him and bottles of wine, and he was really living his best life. But the poor fella, uh, I think he's just turned 70 or close to 70, just had a, had a stroke. But he's in hospital. He's recovering. Hasn't uh, got up to walk yet, but getting a lot of movement back in his arms and absolutely hilarious. I mean, flirting with all the nurses. And then he's got Ernie, the fastest milkman in the West, to his right, basically. He's 80 years old, uh, who uh, he keeps telling uh, my uncle that he's not dead yet. Uh, probably soon will be. So it's an aging crowd here. The poor fella got COVID as well when he went in. So he's had a bit of a rough go of things here. Um... And the hospital food hasn't been agreeing with, with him, apparently. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, what a... When you think about the uh, nurses and doctors and the frontline staff at all these hospitals around the world during COVID. I mean, at the best of times, it's an incredibly difficult job. Then you throw COVID in with somebody's in a, in a stroke ward recovering here. I don't know. Well, he's off the wine at the moment. That's a good thing. Um... But uh, I think anything to make that hospital food more palatable. And anything worse than hospital food, aeroplane food. At least on an aeroplane, you can take yourself a big old baguette and some cheese, and that's your meal. In a hospital, you're pretty much stuck. You can't move around. 
and you have to suffer the awful hospital grub unless somebody very kindly brings you in the food. I mean, I wouldn't touch it with, with a barge pole. And that is a very long barge pole when it comes to a hospital food. Um, but also it's pancake day. We miss pancake day here on the podcast here. My father will not touch pancakes. I think he made himself uh, sick one day when he had tried to eat 15 pancakes one time and won't, uh, won't touch anything uh, uh, since then. My grandmother was telling me, though, that she did have pancakes. Just simple le- lemon and sugar, not like a crepe suzette. It wasn't a flambéed uh, uh, affair either. Uh, but just, you know, basic crepe with a little bit of lemon and sugar. Because growing up, we had never seen or heard of the American pancake. That fluffy, almost like a Scotch pancake for you Brits out there. That's what an American pancake is like. Um... But we had never had any of those. I don't think, and I think a lot of Americans haven't had the crepes. The crepes are a wonderful thing. I'm still thinking about cream cheese, smoked salmon, spinach. That is going to be, I think, my dinner one night this week. I think that sounds absolutely marvelous, doesn't it, really? What the world's oldest people eat in a day. Ask any reputable doctor or nutritionist about what you should eat. They'd likely come back with a similar advice, consume more vegetables, whole grains, nuts, cut back on meat, especially if it's red, go easy on sugary processed foods. This all in theory, in practice, when you look at the world's oldest people and how, how they managed to stay healthy well over 100 years old, you discover quite a mix of diets. Kane Tanaka, a 119-year-old woman from Fukuoka in Japan who currently reigns as the oldest living person, eats rice, fish and soup. However, she's not exactly on a strict routine. For her, this means savouring Hakata, ramen, motsunabe, offal stew, uh, mentaiko, fish roe, and uh, muzutake, chicken hot pot. Sounds actually wonderful. I had a lovely ramen the other week. I told you about that. She's also not afraid to indulge in cravings like coffee, carbonated drinks, and chocolate. During the Guinness World Records presentation ceremony in 2019, she was gifted a box of chocolates, which she immediately opened and started eating. Later, when she asked how many chocolates she wanted to eat today, she said 100. With most centenarians, uh, other than, it doesn't matter which country they're from, there may be something to the health benefit of the average Japanese citizen is plant-based. Low glycemic in Okinawa found that many centurions uh, had also practiced Hara Hashibu, eating until they're just 80% full, not 100% or 120%. However, there's still plenty of centurions, super centurions, who found around the world. So you've got an example, Violet Brown, a Jamaican woman who lived to 117. Her diet consisted of fish, mutton, and locally grown produce like sweet potatoes, breadfruit, oranges, and mangoes. Uh, Susanna Mushet Jones, an Alabama-born 160-year-old woman resided in Brooklyn, revealed that her diet included morning bacon, eggs, fruit for lunch and classic meat and potatoes for, uh, for dinner. She said her niece uh, said she would eat bacon all day long. The second oldest person verified living, 118-year-old French nun Lucille Randon or Sister André, does one better and admits to eating chocolate every morning. In fact, chocolate does seem to be the running theme. Randon Tanaka Jean-Louise Calment, who holds the all-time record for the oldest living person, 122, uh, ate it daily. Calumet ate more than two pounds a week in addition to the occasional glass of port, whether these women were on something. Dark chocolate has been shown to improve heart health, or have they just won the genetic lottery? 
secret to a long life is doing things that you like, eating the things I like, doing things I like, and being able to enjoy every day. How about the lady who ate bacon every day? That's quite interesting, isn't it? A couple of rashes a day keep the doctors away, obviously. So I'm still scaling, scaling the mattress pad. So I'm basically in base camp in the foothills of the Himalayas. I talked about this yesterday. And uh, and then my dearest darling is uh, at the summit of Everest. And you've got this uh, uh, mattress pad that basically has a slope to it. And um, most of the time I'm in the foothills, but I found myself slightly on the upslope. So one of my butt cheeks, my ass cheeks, was on the upslope the other night, and the other was on the downslope. So I'm sure that doesn't help one's posture, does it really? And, uh, you know, you've got the, you need to be laying flat. But I mean, part of me, I'm sort of walking with almost like a hunchback with one shoulder up, one shoulder down because my bottom was partly on the upslope, partly on the uh, downslope the other night. So anyway, I I think this problem should be rectified soon. I will not need my cleats or my crampons or the hook or any rope to scale this uh, huge mattress pad. I will will keep you up to date very, very soon on on my expeditions here, uh, my uh, alpine uh, expeditions. I always want to wear a feathered trolby. I mean, and maybe plus fours, long socks, all my mountainous gear, ready to scale one of the one of the steepest mattress pads in the world. Tales of the old Uber driver. Yeah, so we uh, <laughs> love traveling in the uh, Uber. As I said, you basically have a stranger's attention for 15 minutes and you meet some fascinating people. I talked about the contrary guy the other day where it had the most snow in uh, January, on record, but he said, oh yeah, no, I used to get more snow uh, when I was a child, like 20 years ago. It's on record, man. What are you talking about? Anyway, the, the, the other day, I had a charming little ride with this older Bostonian gentleman. I think he was born on St. Edward's Island, uh, you know, pro- probably that, just off the Cape, Cape Cod. Italian-born, though, six or seven years when he moved from Italy. And uh, he was sort of a fascinating older man, probably in his 70s. It looked a bit like Tom Boswell off uh, Happy Days. That's exactly what he looked like. So that sort of Italian look, graying hair. Looked almost as sort of fit as a fiddle, though. And he was telling me we're talking about Ukraine. And I mean, he basically told me he was very much a God-fearing man. And that's what the kids lack these days, that they were not God-fearing enough. And he said, yeah, I have, uh, I live over there. He said, that was the first house to be built over there. When I built the house, there was nothing there. And now this is uh, where I live now, near New Chappie Towers. It's absolutely uh, riddled with new houses. I mean, there's houses everywhere, really built up, lots of restaurants, movie theaters, everything else. But when he said 25 years ago, there was nothing there. And he's lived in the same house. These are big houses that have been built around me. And I'm not going to move until they wheel me out. And I basically travel six foot under. That's what he told me. He also said, with sort of like end of the world scenarios or whatever, he said he has 17 acres up in the mountains with a gun range, uh, you know, stocked basically for probably about 20 years and uh, of canned food and freezers and everything else. And he said he could live for probably probably like 20 years anyway. Uh, with, with the, I mean, I don't know how much food you'd need. Maybe if you started going hunting or whatever. Um, 
but like a perfect uh, perfect escape pad for the Armageddon. Uh, but you know, so he's got like Kalashnikovs, he's got all sorts of different rifles, shotguns and everything else. 17 acres and uh, he said that, uh, yeah, the problem these days is uh, people aren't God-fearing enough. And there we go. And, you know, difference of opinion, but lovely fella. Interesting to talk to. And the sort of guy who's going to listen to your opinions, I'll listen to his opinions as well, even if you're on different pages. And he had another guy the other day, New Jersey fella in Uber. And uh, he was sort of fascinating as well, because he said nobody i mean he had he had a thing against californians he basically said uh, everybody was uh, too liberal they didn't eat enough meat out there so he said this is the problem not enough meat's being eaten out in california uh he was from uh, new jersey and he also said that people in colorado were were miserable i mean i don't agree with that at all but he thinks that the east coasters uh, and the West Coasters, also the East Coasters are much more friendly uh, than uh, than li- the people living here in Colorado. It's absolute bunkum, to be honest. Um, there we go. That's his. Uh, that's his viewpoint. That is his. That is the way he likes to steer his ship. It's fascinating, though. He said he couldn't stand the extreme left. He couldn't stand the extreme right. And he says all the uh, moderates are boring and introverted. Oh, yeah, no, where are you going to sp- stake your claim? Where is your argument here? Where are you? Where is your stand? You're not left. You're not right. You're not center. I was okay by him because he loved London. He'd gone there as a child uh, back uh, maybe 15 years ago or something for Christmas. And his father gave him like, you know, 20 or 30 pounds. He said, all right, son, go out and be a man. Just make sure you don't embarrass America. And that's what he said. But he loves London, you know. He, he, he said he didn't get on the tube as he wanted to explore London bar by bar, pub by pub. So we had the lady who lived about 115 eating a couple of rashes of bacon a day. But fried insects that taste like bacon held as an answer to hunger in Madagascar. A small hopping insect that tastes like bacon when fried has been identified as a possible solution to the growing hunger crisis in Madagascar, where the crop calendar has been thrown into disarray. The vast island, which is in the front line of havoc-wreaking, changing weather patterns, has been pummeled by four big tropical storms in the space of a month. In the south, where five of the past rainy, six rainy seasons have failed, the British charity Seed Madagascar is exploring whether locally found insects could help ease hunger. The secondary is already loved in communities as a chance forest snack for those quick enough to catch it. Nicknamed the bacon bug for its strong smelling flavor is not only tasty, but also extremely nutritious, containing high levels of protein, minerals, vitamins, research has shown. Five drought affected communities suffering from high rates of malnutrition are being trained by the charity to cultivate host plants to attract them and learn about the insect's life cycle in order to breed them with meaningful numbers and feed thousands of people. Learning how to farm, harvest, cook and store alternative sources of protein already uh, scarce on the island could help spare Madagascar's extraordinary range of wildlife being hunted. Pound for pound, insects require far less land, water, produce and fewer greenhouse gases other than meat. I mean, you're not going to probably get methane-laden cicadas. Do cicadas even fart? I mean, you're not going to have the same problems farting cows, are you? 
or, uh, or flatulent sheep. We hope the bacon bug can provide a local resilient source of food in these areas where we work. With rising global food uh, insecurity developing, sustainable sources of protein have become an urgent task. 70% of Madagascar's 28 million population are already living in poverty and deforestation. Insect farmers is gathering pace in many African nations, according to a survey. The World Bank, which identified their potential to provide all-year-round protein, create jobs and help manage food waste. I'm all right with bacon bugs, but a deep fried tarantula and all that hair. I mean, I'm putting off hair on a piece of crackling, but you get a hairy tarantula deep fried. That's probably going to turn the tummy. This uh, Breckenridge bourbon really is keeping the uh, home fires burning here. You do not need any coal in the furnace when you have a little of the Breckenridge bourbon steering me through this podcast here. I mean, this could probably have fueled the Titanic, I would say. In all those boiler rooms, it's uh, certainly a lovely, lovely warming feeling. So anyway, if we talk about oil and water, and we're thinking about music, what sort of types of music or uh, types of tunes just do not really mix very well? So I had this the other day on the speaker, thinking, you know what? These two tunes do not work very, very well. So I had some rock music in my ear. I think it might have been some like ACDC or something. And uh, then playing on the speaker with some country music now those two genres together do not work particularly well i mean it is so abhorrent i mean i had to turn both off and basically go and clean my lug holes out because it was too much i mean i don't know what you think if you if you think which two types of music just do not compute they do not align they do not correlate together And I think the country music, I think it may be the BPMs or whatever. It has to be something like that. But the two of them together was, I mean, both might be denim clad, but they're on completely polar opposites ends of the universe. And dog owners presented with discarded sex toys while out on walks. Dog owners have been sharing photos of sex toys dildos found by their pets on walks. Rebecca Scott from Norwich began the thread with a photo of a toy uh, her dog had found so this is a whole thing It's basically uh, hashtag sex toys on dog walks i believe it's something along those lines the post has racked up thirteen thousand retweets as many people shared their own snaps i mean are people getting out and uh, getting out and about in the outdoors again frolicking around in parks and forgetting to bring uh, the big daddy home with them i mean what's going on here dogs are capable of finding the most unexpected items while playing fetch and sometimes their finds can leave their owners cringing. People from around the world have been sharing hilarious photos of their dogs, presenting them with a sex toy after curiosity led them to make discoveries during their daily walks. Rebecca Scott, who lives in Norwich, shared a photo of a dog with a dildo in its mouth. Now, I was brought up in that neck of the woods, and the most odd thing I ever saw was a a slightly uh, lubed up cucumber, I think, on a walk one time. Yes, anyway, my dog Nelly has her best friend called Larry, Larry has an owner called Tom, who's my friend. The young dogs swim together in an idyllic spot on the river Wensum every morning. They bring back sticks to us in exchange for treats. It's all very idyllic. Rebecca's post racked up more than 15,000 retweets as pet owners admitted they were able to relate, having had their dogs find sex toys in parks, beaches, and even left by the previous owner of the house. Social media users around the world are sharing these photos ad nauseum. 
the sex toys everywhere. I mean, what attracts the dog? Is it the smell of it? Or is it like the... I mean, my dog Maggie loves to chew on rubber things. I mean, I'm not talking sex toys here. But there's this green rubber thing that looks like it could be an alien's penis, actually. And she loves to choose it. And, and she actually gets great pleasure. She's like moaning as she's chewing this green alien-like object. It's quite disconcerting. But, you know, some of these people, are, there's one picture here where obviously they've given the dog this sex toy just so they can be part of this whole Instagram racket. I mean, dogs are like sniffing out these uh, big old King Dongs. What happens if they find a Bob, the battery-operated boyfriend? I mean, if they find Bob and it starts vibrating in the dog's mouth, I mean, what the hell is the poor hound going to think then? Moving to pounding powerful jets. Have you tried those water pick things? It's a little chappy, you're British. Why are you using water pick uh, on, on your teeth? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I decided it would be a very, very good thing. And I tell you what, the, the, these water pick things are amazing. I mean, they, po- they really do provide a pounding jet of water. And uh, yeah, you have to, don't wear any clothes. Well, you can wear trousers, I guess. But I mean, you probably need a napkin or a bib wrapped around your mouth. If you have like, we talked about this before, I have a very, very sloppy mouth. Everything goes everywhere. So I put the water pick in. And it starts doing its thing. I mean, this thing is like a jet hose. I mean, you could use this to clean off any patio. Uh, any any dirt or umska that's around, you could probably power jet this off. In your mouth, I mean, it, it takes some getting used to. But I, I inadvertently took it out too quickly. And I got a powerful, huge, powerful jet that penetrated my nose. Now, I tell you something. It... I don't think my nose is, I think I've lost the sensation on the tip of my nose from the power of this water jet pick. So people say, well, it's not as good as floss or whatever. Yes, well, try the water pick. It is better than floss. This thing is the most powerful thing ever. I mean, if you could take a portable one, it would be a perfect sort of device if somebody tries to like attack you on a walk or something. You could pull out this jet from your pocket and like spray it into the eye. It would, uh, it would deter any rambunctious burglar. It's very nice to have some scented candles around the house and uh, everybody has their favorite type of scent. The right candle can fill your home with lovely fragrance, make a room feel cozy or make bath time seem more luxurious. What scented candles don't usually do is make your house smell like a barbecue. But they can if the kind of smell you want wafting through your house. Heinz is about to drop a candle in Australia, which, uh, I mean, I don't know if dropping a candle, uh, (laughs) maybe you light a candle after dropping something else. A a sausage sizzle is going to be the new Australian smell from a candle, a true blue Aussie tradition. A A snag, it'll be a snag sizzle, is essentially a sausage served in sliced white bread or a hot dog bun with tomato sauce and sometimes grilled onions and mustard. Sausage sizzles can be found at community events. The Australian hardware chain Bunnings is known for having sausage sizzles. Now, why haven't sausage sizzles caught on? I I would love to go to a sausage sizzle. The term democracy sausage has even been coined as sausage sizzles are commonplace outside Australian polling stations on election day. Now, if you want to bring people together, what better than a sausage sizzle, I would say, well, later this month, fans of the sausage sizzle will be able to recreate the smell from the new Aussie sausage sizzle scented candles. 
and also three barbecue themed candles uh, that uh, Heinz are created in Australia. There's also the Aussie Backyard Barbecue. I don't know if you want the smell of an Aussie, an Aussie backyard, a scented candle, an Aussie beef burger scented candle. I think I'm sticking, sticking to the snag scent here. Sharing news of the candles on Australian Instagram, Heinz wrote, don't let the familiar smell of the summer season fade with our barbecue inspired candles. The candles come with actual bottles of the relevant sauce, ketchup and mustard with the Aussie sausage sizzle scented candle, tomato sauce and aloe with the Aussie backyard uh, barbecue scented candle and burger sauce and mayo with the Aussie beef burger scented candle. They cost 20 Australian dollars for one of these candles. Now, I would love to encapsulate the smell of a candle from the uh, the greasy spoon that I used to go to when I was at university. Carol's Cath uh, in, in Pompey was uh, was a wonder. Down a, was it down the Fratton Road? I can't remember exactly here. But anyway, I mean, she did uh, she did the big boys breakfast. I talked about this before with Uncle Jim. Now, Uncle Jim used to do the all day breakfast and basically choose his items. And I, I spent uh, I spent more money on the gut buster with fewer items. I think Carol preferred him, to be honest. She, li- she liked old uh, Uncle Jim a little bit more than me, I think. Anyway, but if I could encapsulate the smell of a greasy spoon on a candle, I think that would be absolutely fantastic. You know, the frying bacon smell, the fried bread, the, the eggs, the baked beans. Can encapsulate that all into a candle. That would take me back palace and days of my youth. Oh, you, trumble trombone! A dad makes a most patriotic steak when it comes out the exact shape of Great Britain. Nigel Cooper felt immense national pride when he went to fry a steak and realized the meat he was cooking had the exact outline of Great Britain and he dubbed it a patriotic meal. Nigel Cooper didn't notice the semblance initially, but when he flipped his meat, <laughs> I mean, when you're cooking, you don't want to be flipping your meat, do you? So he flipped his meat mid-fry and saw the uncanny sight. His rump steak had formed the perfect shape of Great Britain. I mean, you wouldn't want to be on the fatty outer ring, would you? Complete with instantly recognised outline of England, France and Scotland. Stunned by his dinnertime discovery, uh, Nigel uh, whipped out his phone and took a quick snap of the belly-bursting 12-ounce Big Daddy steak sizzling in a pan. I mean, what did he make Ireland? Did he get a load of roast potatoes? And, uh, yeah, well, that probably isn't politically correct. The self-employed joiner wolfed down a large portion, but admits he was defeated by the massive slab of meat, leaving Scotland to be enjoyed as a start of the following evening. Oh, Scotland was left with its tails between its legs, or maybe the flappy piece of beef that was left. Uh, Nigel from Middlesbrough, North Yorkshire, said, I've definitely bagged one of Britain's most patriotic steaks. I don't think anybody could even beat that. My concern, though, is, you know, the outer edge of the steak, Scotland probably was very well done, along with maybe Kent, but Birmingham is probably more medium rare. I mean, all it really needs, though, is a good dousing of Worcestershire sauce. And a man called Luizo took advantage of the relaxed attitude to polygamy in the Democratic Republic of Congo to marry three triplets. A man has married three triplets in the same day after he asked them all to tie the knot. Named only as Luizo, a man from the Democratic Republic of Congo was surprised when all three sisters he asked to marry on the same day. I'm obliged to become 
And because they're triplets, it wasn't an easy decision because until now, my parents don't understand what I'm doing. When speaking to Aframax English on his wedding day, I fell in love with a girl called Natalie on social media. I couldn't resist her beauty. We met, hugged a lot and decided to get married. The wedding took place in Kaleli, which is a territory located in South Kivu in the eastern part of the country. The 32-year-old man also claimed that it wasn't uh, just a random wedding. He indeed was in love with the triplets known as Natasha, Natalie and Nagesha. He was also already in a relationship with the former before meeting the other two. One of the sisters took the local news charities when he told them to marry all of us. He was shocked. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, how does the one he met first of all say, well, you know what? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm, uh, you know, I, I, can I bring the two sisters into the mix here as well but because we were already fallen in love with all of us no he did he fell in love with the first one first i mean this guy's getting like a free ride well <laughs> three ride <laughs> uh, even though people considered it impossible for three women to share one husband to us sharing everything has been our life since childhood the foursome married Maybe it could be easy on a game of golf, wouldn't it? I was talking about this earlier. I want to go and play golf on my own. I don't want to be put into a, a you know, a, a twosome, threesome, foursome. This, these, these people would be sorted every time they went to play golf. I don't think there would be enough room in the golf cart, though. One sister said after the wedding, you can see we're happy. We thought God would separate us with husbands, but that hasn't happened. I mean, what ha do they, like, flip a coin or something along those lines? I mean, this is uh, this is like trio tripe. Trio, trio, three in a bed and the little one said. I mean, this really is keeping it in the family, isn't it? The man had to seek medical treatment after shoving a dynamite-like device into his bum and detonating it. The horrific incident was reported by the medical journal compiled by researchers Ali Zimbratis at the University of Urology. In the report, they said this case reports a schizophrenic patient who had a multi-system uh, rectal trauma after self-detonation of an explosive device in the rectum and managed with reconstructive surgery without any uh, proper complications. Lower urinary tract anatomy was preserved and full contents was uh, achieved after the surgical receiver. What a relief that is for him and all of us, I think. Piles and piles and piles of TNT. He dropped a bomb on his bum, basically. Imagine this being the series of events. very much for joining me on the podcast today it's been a delightful occasion having you here on this sunday sermon edition of the podcast hope you're having a lovely sunday if you like to listen to podcasts like and subscribe where you can on apple music you can basically hear me and just me no musical accompaniment or anything between the ramblings that uh, that you will hear during the hour-long podcast or around the hour-long if, though, you like, with your audio, if you like some music to punctuate 
the uh, audio or if you like to drown me out with some music, then you can. Today we have some Van Morrison, some Ben Fold, Father John Mystery. We have David Bowie, The Clash, Beatles, Karen Souza, The Beach Boys. We have TLC, Aztec Camera, Coogee Radical, uh, and also Jessica Simpson. Yes, yes, and Jessica Simpson as well, believe it or not. It really is a variety mix. Some you're probably going to love. I mean, I'm sure everybody absolutely adored the Barry Manilow we had on the Musical Emporium edition. It's probably putting you off the Musical Emporium saying that we've had Jessica Simpson, Barry Manilow. Uh, but yes, it really does have an absolute range of music that you'll never hear anywhere else in Christendom. Coming up next, we have the poem. This is written in March, William Wordsworth. The cock is crowing, the stream is flowing, the small birds twitter, the lake doth glitter. The green field sleeps in the sun, the youngest and the oldest are at work with the strongest. The cattle are grazing, their heads never raising, there are forty feeding like this one. Like an army defeated, the snow hath retreated, and now doth fare ill on the top of the bare hill. The ploughboy is whooping, anon, anon. There's joy in the mountains, there's life in the fountains, small clouds are sailing, blue sky prevailing, the rain is over and gone. I will be back again next week, so I hope you have a lovely week, and listen back to some of the back catalogue of this uh, rather interesting, slightly eccentric podcast, Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. Until next time, cheerio.